There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Maybe don't drape a beach towel over your head and huff dad's tackle box for 45 minutes. The people who were behind the pyramids, like some Egyptian pharaoh or something. I'm going to go fishing with them. I told him to stick his stupid bass tournament where the sun don't shine. I ain't no Kevin Dam fan. This isn't a barbecue. This is a cookout. I don't see any ribs. I don't see any pork shoulder. I don't see any brisket. You're not barbecuing shit. You're just cooking outside. Good morning, Degenerate Anglers. Welcome to Bent, the podcast that may be hosted by a couple of Yankees, but still knows the difference between a cookout and a barbecue. I'm Joe Cermelli. I'm Miles Nolte, and I did not know the important distinction between those two <laughs> until I until I spent a few years living with a buddy from North Carolina, That'll and, do and it. I suggested <laughs> we should have a barbecue. Let's invite people over for barbecue. And, then, and when I came home from the store with you know like a pack of buns and started defrosting <laughs> hamburger meat, lost his mind dude just straight up laid in me he's like this isn't a barbecue this is a cookout <laughs> i don't see any ribs i don't see any pork shoulder i don't see any brisket <sighs> you're not barbecuing shit you're just cooking outside <laughs> the yankees think southerners are ignorant but you mother don't even know the difference between a barbecue and a cookout and that, uh, I never made that mistake again. Is that exactly what he said? Because that, I think, that's, I think that's that was powerful. verbatim. He was, he was, he's a fiery man. Oh, Chris man. Chris Pettyjohn, well, anyway, if you're listening right now, credit to you. I like I like your work. I'm a fan of you. Uh, anyway, look, consider, consider that a public service announcement for all you out there planning on dropping some dogs and uh, some patties on the grill for our upcoming holiday. Uh, if, you, if you care about precise language, and we certainly do, we do. that's a cookout. Right, and I think cookouts are what make Fourth of July. Other than Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. it's the most food-centric holiday we celebrate. And it's yep. if you think about it, right, it's the only one where you're expected to cook outside. Like you just can't oh, have yeah. Fourth of July meal cooked indoors. No, it doesn't that's, work. That's just not cancel right. it if it's raining. Just cancel it. Yeah. You know? No, I. Uh, that's a good point because it is absolutely a food holiday. But unlike some other ones, 
it's it's like a it, it's a completely unpretentious oh, food yeah. holiday, right? Oh, you yeah. can you can get away with just dropping some tubular meat over <laughs> a bed of, of two hot coals and burning the shit out of them, and Still then good. squeeze them into a, a mushy yeah. Franz's bun with some French <laughs> mustard, and no one's gonna complain. Like that's nope. what they expect. You know what yep. I mean? Or if you want to, totally up to you. You can start smoking a brisket the night before over like your proprietary blend of fruit wood and obsess about a three degree temperature difference right and, and then mm-hmm. and then turned out you know you end up with your sliced meat masterpiece and people will be like damn that's good hand me another beer they won't yeah. make a big deal out of it exactly because it's it's the food holiday without expectation or judgment exactly and and you just hit on why i tend to go the cookout route on the fourth yeah and like the core answer is because i just want to relax and enjoy myself right and yeah. look I, I love smoking meats. I love smoking briskets as much as the next guy. But I, I, I tend to do that like during the week, like on a random weekday when there's no pressure. Because every time I've gotten psyched up on a brisket, like for a party, by the time it's done, I'm exhausted. A, right. Because I've been up since five in the morning. Yeah. I'm so tired of looking at it. I don't feel like eating it anymore. <laughs> and I've just spent the whole friggin' day stressing that like it wouldn't be done on time. Because if anybody out there does brisket, you got the brisket oh. stall and you're like, oh God, the people are coming at 615. Push it, <laughs> foil it, whatever. Oh my God. Like you just freak Where's out. Where's the crunch? Right, brisket, I need the crunch. And, yeah. And everybody's going to write me and be like, here's how you don't freak out over brisket. I've read all the shit. Okay. It's still every time it stalls. Uh, so I'm just I'm down with burgers and dogs, preferably yeah. at somebody else's house. If I'm being real honest, you know, I'm just throwing the Nerf Whistler around a bit, drinking some peepers, and that's my kind of Fourth of July party. So. Indeed, it, it is all about having fun. And uh, and this story I'm about to tell has nothing to do with food, but it is it, probably it is about fun. It's probably my favorite Fourth of July story. So one time you'll appreciate this. Years ago, my buddy and I showed up to a Fourth party thinking it was going to be like you know an adult. Let's get drunk and do stupid things, kind of party, you know. Oh God! That that we were, I don't know if we were still <laughs> in our twenties, but we were in that area, that that area of life, that era, I should say. So we were both wearing American flag speedos when we showed oh, up, my God. ready to go. But you've now turned, admitted you wait. You've now admitted this, and that you dressed up like Orgasmo and Chota Boy. So like the same, costumes, same that friend, you've by the to, way, same friend. Yes. How am I not surprised? Yes. <laughs> anyway. So we showed up in, in in American flag speedos, but it turned out that there were actually like a bunch of kids, like people had brought their oh. children to this party, oh. and we we tried to play like we played it cool, but it was a little awkward. But it got really <laughs> awkward when I had a few beers, and then I decided to go charge the slip and slide. And it was one of those. It was one of those slip and slides with the inflatable pools at the end. You know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? Yeah. Right? And Less I, chance I, of breaking your neck. You know. Right. That's what my parents always said. Yeah. I hit the wall of that inflatable pool going like full speed, and it just ruptured. The whole thing just exploded. Oh, so no. in the end, not only was I the guy who showed up wearing clothing that was more or less inappropriate for children, I also broke the toy that all the kids were like playing and having fun with. And I, I literally made some of them cry. That was my worst Fourth of July moment. And 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 the parent in me like sees the awkward and like the stomach turn in that. But at the same time, like you know, that's kids. If you showed up at my house and did exactly what you just described, my kids would have thought you were awesome. They wouldn't have <laughs> cried at all. They already think you're awesome. They've met you. Like 
they'd understand that crazy drunkle miles has every yeah. right as an american to show up to the party in a speedo they think it was great so what's wrong with those kids they were wrong not you uh, <laughs> we we are after all we're like we're celebrating freedom this weekend that's the whole point and um uh, the other point is you are free to make an ass of yourself in public i am inc- incorrectly call out cookouts and barbecues whatever call them whatever you want grill up the most uh, elaborate or idiotically simple meal you can imagine and serve it to your friends or just you could skip all of that and just go fishing yep. um and if you, if you do that i'd like to add that you should carry at least 113 fishing rod and reel with you because they also uh love freedom and fishing that they do and mm-hmm. and on that point though it's not the right season for it did you know that several of their ice fishing combos come in red white and blue were you aware I, of that? I I, w- I actually was not because I, I haven't done the ice <laughs> thing with their stuff yet. So it's it's I have several and I proudly <laughs> use their wicked Patriot Edition rod with the free fall ghost reel on the hard water, which was George Washington's personal setup that he used at the Battle of Trenton. <laughs> at least that's what it says on their website. And you know, Thirteen Fishing's website is just known for its historical accuracy and scholarship. So I believe does it. Does it really say? I'll re-examine the Washington crossing the <laughs> Delaware really painting. It, it's stuck in there somewhere. It's it's one of the horses' <laughs> reins or something. Um, I, you know, I I did not know that, but I am aware of the uh, glory that Thirteen Fishing pours in all their rods and reels. So maybe I'll bring one of those Patriots out with me if I go if I go fishing on the Fourth. Not because it's the best tool for the job, but because fishing on the Fourth is all about just you know having a good time. So. Amen to that, man. Amen right to that. On. And in addition to a, an ice rod or two in the midsummer and a cooler full of beverages, I've been known to bring some brats and a mm. mini grill, right? If I'm going to go fish on Penn State, just just to just to have some serious fun. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why I do it. I've done that too, though. I'm more of a hot dog man than a bratwurst kind of guy. Uh, really? when it comes to fishing, but for reasons that I'll explain later in this very show. Uh, but, uh, but if I have any actual fishing advice for independence day, it's, it's like, man, this is the weekend to not take what you do too seriously. And by, mm-hmm. by all means, like go fish this weekend. I probably will for a bit somewhere, but, but you just got to set your expectations, right? Like your mm-hmm. favorite like area of the back Bay is going to be chopped to hell by ski boats and jet skis, like retirees and pontoon boats are going to be out putt putting all over whatever break you love to troll. You know, it's going to be. Uh, which may be the worst, in my opinion, just flotillas <laughs> of tubes just oh. going going down the river so so thick that you won't be able to cast between them. Um, and, you know, like most any other day of the year, any of those things might might send you into a fury, but don't let it. Not this weekend. Nope. Right? Just I've learned to uh, – I, I try to heed my own advice. I do most of the time. Just smile and wave and just, like, let it roll off because there, there are times for serious fishing um, – but this, I don't know, it just, it really isn't one of them. Don't fight the inevitable. If you start getting pissed, set down the rod, like kick off your Crocs, <laughs> grab yourself a floaty and a koozie wrap beverage, and just go with the flow. Go in the water with them. Go tubing. Kick some kid off a tube and you go down with the flotilla, you know? <laughs> that, that is my advice. <laughs> that is damn good advice, my friend. And I feel like you're, you're setting me up well because I feel like the guest we have coming on next just he just is that vibe oh, he embodies totally. the vibe yeah. that you described he's a very yep. laid back dude he's the kind of guy that you could you could chill with on a summer day and calmly shoot the shit for hours and unfortunately because yes. of the nature of the show we didn't have hours but we we did let this segment run a little longer than usual because we were we were just having such a good time i'm going in 
Cover me, Porkins. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. Joining us today for Covering Water, we've got a world-renowned chef, host of Bon Appetit's It's Alive, and a way cooler guy than Emerald, Brad Leone is here. Well, thanks, man. Hell of an introduction. And hey, Emerald, Emerald's a stud, man. All right? I've met, Emerald's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, I know. I still think you're cooler. I just Definitely. Think we'll see. But look, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. Of course, um, we didn't want you to just drop by because of the culinary skills. You are also a very dedicated angler. And uh, seeing that we both grew up in Jersey, we probably spent some time fishing some of the same waters. So I'm curious, like, what did growing up around here, like, what did you mostly do? What was your game uh, fishing as a kid? Fishing as a kid, it was freshwater. And then with my dad, you know, getting into a little bit with my dad as I got into a, a little bit old, you know. So my, my first memories of saltwater are, are, is um, my dad coming back, like, when I was little. And, like, he literally would have, like, plastic 55-gallon drums and then just, like, <laughs> And have like thirty bluefish in them, like, you know, and just like like the party the, boat days, yeah, party boats, you know, like you know. The, shout out to the Nighthawk. I think that was the one we were Nighthawk, nice, and uh, and yeah, that and like and then he would bury them in the garden, and we would you know, they, and, and we would he would eat, we would smoke some of them, you know. But like my where I'm at now, culinarily, like far surpassed what my dad was doing with bluefish sure. you know sure but it's interesting you bring up bluefish because one thing i've i really noticed about your fish cookery that i appreciate a lot you've you've said or, or mentioned that like you're not a huge fan of filleted fish or like that's not your first preference and i see you cook a lot of whole fish and you're really into staking like i've seen you stake mm. bluefish which Legit. is a style that has fallen out of favor like you just don't see that many dudes catching bluefish or, or mackerel or whatever and just staking it out so yeah like that's kind of inspired me, man. Like I want to try that more this season. Like you just don't see that very much. Yeah, it's great. I mean, like the only steaks you really see, I mean, well, I guess like a swordfish steak or, or sometimes you'll see like a salmon steak. Right. But like bluefish is perfect. And like, you know, before we even get into like steaks, like no matter what fish it is, it's all, it's for me, the biggest difference in, you know, making it a junk fish or just a, a bluefish or some whatever is, is how, you know, if you treat it, if you pull it up on the deck and it beats the, you know, it beats itself up and it gets thrown in the bucket and you know it's just you treat it like garbage the meat's going to come out that way so like sure killing it quick bleeding it out getting that blood out as fast right. as possible you know it really just it, it it elevates that whole culinary experience which is yeah just, which is just awesome but yeah but to, to answer your question the steaks if filleting i mean it makes sense and that's what you want to do for something like the application of the uh, dish that you're trying to find but like, I'm just tired of dudes just like throwing racks in the water. You know what I mean? And like yeah. hacking it with a knife, leaving you know uh, uh, three quarters of an inch on up by the collar, and just like you know, or what? And just the body itself. I mean, I know crabs eat it, the whatever. Everything eats everything. You know, ocean. You know, the, the earth returns itself. But like, make stock out of it if you're gonna fillet it, because sure. man, it's just it's it's so easy and it's just so satisfying. We've um, talked about that recently, sort of not being lazy. Yeah. And like, I actually did that not long ago, like bringing tog racks home, like making the effort to, to yeah. turn that into fish stock, you know? I, yeah, man. When I go, I'll bring a little, like, uh, depending on the knife I have, but I'll bring like a little hatchet or something that we, you're getting some of them bigger fish to snap the spine real quick. So you can fold it up, wrap it up in a garbage bag and put it in the cooler, go home yeah. with, you know, you know, 10, 15 pounds, whatever uh, of, 
the best fish making stock bones and heads sure. you could, you know, shit make sure. you live forever. So good. You know? Yeah. And this is this <laughs> yes. is off topic, but I, I got to return to it because I think one of the things you mentioned, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy with fish that people don't think they like. Right. Because if, if they bring in a bluefish, whether it's a bluefish or a whitefish or a freshwater drum, I don't care what your trash fish is for your area. If you, you people don't treat them the same way as the fish that they think they love. Like they treat their walleye really well, but that right. freshwater drum, they're just going to beat the shit out of it. And then that ends up reinforcing their idea that it tastes like shit. So it's amazing how that goes. Right. Those exactly. things you have reverence yeah. for, you yeah. treat well, funny, they taste good. The ones you don't, they taste like shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I think well said, man. I think the, uh, you know, the perfect example like is the bluefish or something, right? Where it's like, oh, I don't like bluefish. It's it's oily and mushy. And it's usually because of like how you just described it, where it was just kind of beat up. And like, yeah, I mean, of course, a fish like that is going to go to hell if you if you let it. When I was a kid, if you didn't have a cooler, they'd just sell you a dollar burlap bag. People just fill oh, yeah. burlap bags tied to the rail, and like they just put a whole burlap bag of giant blues in their trunk. <laughs> I'm like, well, even as a kid, I'm like, what are yeah. you gonna do with that? You know? Yeah, that's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so before we get started here on, on covering water, just uh, just a couple other things. Uh, I understand that you you've semi recently just like fully thrust yourself into the fly fishing world. That's kind of new yeah, for so, you. Exactly. Yeah. So for about uh, the past two years or so. Um, just kind of picked it up. I, it all started with a little trip with Yeti down to uh, South Carolina and Charleston. And mm-hmm. we were going out for redfish with a couple with a couple of folks. And storm came in the night before, kind of blew it out. And you know, we were with some we were with some pros, you know, folks that knew how to get into into the fish there. And no one caught anything. <laughs> but I picked up the hook. No, not a single fish. It was ridiculous. And and uh, you know, we folks were flown in, you know, flown in from Montana and Texas and shit. You know, like some of the best they fly. <laughs> no one got anything. And, uh, and but that's fishing, right? So yeah. what I did catch is the you know that like love for the fly, the ca- casting of the fly. You yeah. Know? So well, you also you also did a, a much bigger thing very recently. Big thing. You took a big step in your angling. Tell us what you did. Oh yeah. Caught myself a Grady White, man. Yeah, <laughs> got a, yeah, got bought a boat. First time boat. I bought my first boat. And, uh, you know. My response was congrats and yeah. sorry, because that's what yeah. you say when somebody buys a boat. Yeah. But it's a slick yeah, rig, man. Yeah. I think so. You know, I think it's going to be super manageable. Um, it, it was like, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, I didn't need this boat right now. But it like, it, it was, if it made it to the market, it was going to be gone in yeah. an hour. You know, yeah. it was it. It was, it was a Moby, man. It was uh, this old guy who, he had a boat that he fished on and ran far and stuff. And then he had this boat, the Grady White, that he uh, just puttered around. He went to the, went to the bars and the restaurants with his old lady, you know, and that was just like his little like, harbor cruiser. Low yeah. hours, yeah. <laughs> Serviced every year, covered. I mean, the thing's gorgeous. Yeah, man. Best yeah. of luck with that. So so we'll get into Covering Water here and just, uh, this, is how, this is how we play. So Covering Water is our uh, Q&A session where for two minutes, we're going to put two minutes on the clock and we're just going to rapid fire questions at you. And the whole idea here is to get through as many as we can in two minutes, which means you don't really have a whole lot of time to think about your answer. But at the end, we promise to give you one minute to like backpedal or expand on any answer that you're like, man, that might have been a career ender or something. <laughs> I'm good at avoiding those. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's hit it, man. I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Miles, I will go first. Brad, are you ready to play? I'm ready, coach. OK. All right. Here we go. Covering water with Brad Leone starts Covering now. Water. In terms of eating, what's the most overrated fish? 
Uh, most overrated fish, uh, shit, man. Probably, um, uh, uh, shit. I don't know. If, uh, <laughs> none of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what's the one fish you're most proud of having caught? Uh, a halibut up in Alaska, just because it was, uh, you know, it's far away and shit. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Popeyes or KFC? Neither. Okay. All right. All right. Can you explain to me why do so many people like to eat farmed trout? Uh, because they're accessible and, you know, uh, I think a wild trout usually gets a bad reputation for keeping and the harder to catch. And I think, uh, I think a, a good farm raised, uh, if that's the thing, right. I think it's, um, I support it. Okay. The best boat snack is a banana. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> <Fantastic>. right <on. laughs> if, if you could go fishing with one person living or dead, who would that be living or dead? Shut up. Uh, I I, uh, I don't know. I have to come back to that one. That's a tough. Uh, that's that's a tough one. Okay, if you could only ever target one species of fish from here on out, which would it be? Maybe like um like mackerel. Atlantic okay, mackerel. interesting answer. Okay, <laughs> The Simpsons, Family Guy, or South Park? Oof, they're both really. They're all great, man. Uh, I think. Uh, I mean, South Park's so. F- well written and fun. I might have to go Simpsons just as the classic because it's, it's so good. Okay, you're from New Jersey, so I have to ask officially: Is it pork roll or Taylor ham? <laughs> it should be Taylor ham. Uh, okay, but you're agreeing it's not. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm sorry, that came out wrong. I always call it Taylor ham. Pork Fair roll enough. is like some knockoff shit that comes out of like <laughs> I'm not Trenton. I don't know. <laughs> which which is the greater sin? Undersalting or oversalting? Over. Because over is unedible. If it's under, I can still eat it. I'm just like, hey, come on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what makes you feel more manly? Noodling catfish or working on an Alaskan crab boat? More manly? Probably the crab boat. Okay. Those T- time for no f- joke, man. You got time for one more, Miles. <laughs> Do you drink before fishing, while fishing, after fishing, or all of the above? Are we talking about alcohol? Yes. Depends on the uh, depends on when I'm fishing. I'm not I'm not against either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. That, so that's that's two minutes, man. That was great. And I I, I brought up the new. I had to get a noodling question in because I got to say for anybody listening, if you have not watched the episode of your show where you were noodling with Maddie Matheson, that is, I think like one of the best fishing videos ever made. I mean, that was yeah, like just piss your pants funny thanks um, man it was a blast uh and it's one of them things where it's like man i i just want to do more stuff like that maddie we gotta get maddie to listen maddie i would love to do more stuff like that or even with or without maddie i just really i really dig uh those kind of experiences yeah. and, and maddie just being such not like that that's not his thing like you don't fuck <laughs> it. he's not catching shit you know like so and he's funny, you know. He's exactly. Great. I would, so, I would love to take Maddie Matheson fishing one day. I think that would be f-ing hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But did all, all the stuff is great. That was great. I watched your recent uh, squid adventure, or like kind of non-adventure, but it was, it was still, it was still awesome. I know that was something you recently did. Um, yeah. But so we'll give you one minute. Are there any of those questions you feel like, like pick one that you want to sort of tell us more about? One of those answers. 
Yeah, I guess it would be like, oh, if you could go fishing with one person in time or alive or dead, you know, I'm like, not my kids, not my dad or something silly like that, you know, like they're here still. <laughs> like, I think I'd have to go someone dead. It'd have to be like some deep, like, origins of life answer shit, like, you know, like the people who were behind <laughs> the pyramids, like some Egyptian <laughs> pharaoh or something. I'm going to fish with them, you know? Hey, Hey, you're, you're on to something. You're on to something with the Egyptians. Cause, cause if you read up on your, your fly fishing history, supposedly they did originally invent fly fishing. So I think whether you knew no it or shit. not, you just dug into some super heady shit right there. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like pre burning the libraries of Alexandra shit. You know, like <laughs> I want to know knowledge while we go fishing some real OG talk. <laughs> We've asked a lot of people that question. That is by far the best answer we have ever gotten yeah. to it, ever. So, uh, dude, we really appreciate you coming by for this. This has been a really fun covering water, and uh, hopefully you'll come back on again, man, because this has been a real blast. Anytime. Brad is a ton of fun, man, but I, I'm going to say I, I was a little offended that he wouldn't answer my fast food chicken question. Like, I thought that was a good I, question. I could tell you were like, oh, you're too, you're, Yeah, like, you're too good for fried chicken? Come on, you eat some Popeyes or KFC. Like, maybe, uh, you know. Everybody does it, man. Don't be embarrassed. But he he also kind of redeemed himself with The Simpsons. So oh, that was cool. yes. You know? There's no question. It's The Simpsons all the way. That was the only answer that could have been accepted in that particular scenario. Yeah. Simpsons created the genre of over-the-top comedic cartoons. Dear sir, your show helped me when I was going through chemotherapy. Aww. My favorite episode was when Homer stays home from church. Ah, oh, damn it, he thinks we're the Simpsons. And while this show absolutely did not invent the genre of presenting sometimes silly and sometimes poignant news stories in the form of a contest without any actual prizes at stake in order to manufacture a sense of continuity and narrative structure, we were the first ones to do it with fishing which means it's time for Fish News. Fish News! That escalated quickly. All right, I uh, got one shout-out today. That's going to go out to listener Tim Jarris. So remember a while back we talked about how you associate certain smells with fishing? Remember that Absolutely. conversation? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I, I talked about that odd funk in my dad's old Plano tackle boxes. Well, after that episode, a lot of you guys wrote in to say you know exactly the funk that I'm talking about and, and like just how nostalgic it is. Right. So Tim, who's a scientist and registered environmental health specialist also wrote me on Instagram <laughs> to say, I love that smell. However, it is indeed a product of gases given off by the plastic in the lures. And it happens when the tackle box is heated, right? Which makes sense. Cause tackle yep. boxes, what do they do? They sit out in the sun. We store them in hot garages uh, and, and Tim's like, yeah, the thing is that gas is what we science people call a volatile organic compound. So other things that frequently give off <laughs> volatile organic compounds include petroleum fuels, hydraulic fluids, paint thinners, and dry cleaning agents. So his point, right, is, is that it's as toxic. Nos as, as nostalgic as the smell might be, maybe don't drape a beach towel over your head and huff dad's <laughs> tackle box. For 45 minutes. So great tip. Appreciate that one, Tim. Also just wanted to say we've been appreciating the influx of uh, the Instagram photos, tagged Gendered Angler and Bent Podcast. We will be posting the winner on our Instagram accounts tomorrow morning, right, from our little our little giveaway here. And somebody's going to be rocking a new Fish Eating Fish hoodie and mm. tea very soon, right? Also, keep your ears open because we're going to be announcing an even cooler giveaway next week. And if you subscribe to the Fishing Weekly newsletter, you'll hear about it first. Anyway, 
Uh, that's it. That's all. That's all the housekeeping I got. We'll get on with news here. Uh, remember, this is a competition. Miles and I do not know which stories the other guys bringing to the table. At the end of it, uh, Phil, the engineer, we know him. We love him. He will judge one of us. You have the advantage of leading off this week. So I do. Yeah. I do. I get. I get to start out, and I'm going to talk about a fish that doesn't get a lot of attention. I'll just put. We it like that those. Way. We like yeah. those kind of fish. Yeah. And if you if you have ever heard of skipjack herring. You probably only mm-hmm. know about them because they make damn good catfish bait, right? And striper, striper, striper eat the shit out of them. Striper like them too? Oh, oh. yeah. It landlocked stripers? Oh, yeah. Their status as bait is really the only reason that anglers pay any attention to these fish, right? And yeah. as herring go, they're pretty big. Mm-hmm. And they got their name because they have a habit of, of, of jumping out of the water when they're feeding. Skipjacking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Like when, when you see them, if you have seen them, most people, when you see them, you just see like, that's just another big school of silvery bait fish, indistinguishable from all the other schools of silvery bait fish. Right. One thing I did learn on reading up on this, that some people refer to them as Tennessee tarpon. And that kind of made me I've, I've never heard that. Yeah. I've never heard that. I hadn't either. Cool. It's like Jersey tarpon with American shad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Pertinent to this story is, is like I said, skipjack are, are pretty big for herring. So that's what makes them a favorite bait for people who are targeting trophy cats, especially blue cats. Mm-hmm. A whole skipjack will get the attention of a big blue, but it's it's daunting for all the little channel kittens who like to hoover up cut bait. In April, Ethan Moss and a buddy went out fishing on the Ohio River in search of big cats, but first they needed to catch fresh bait. So they rigged up their ultralights and started fishing for skipjack. Now, Ethan and his buddy, like most of us, just don't think much about the skipjack. But that's where that, that was about to change for him. And I would like to change everyone's mind because the fact is that these fish are actually far more badass than than you know. Mm-hmm. Skipjack turn into predators when they reach maturity. Much like bass, they feed on threadfin shad, gizzard shad, and even other herring. One study found that skipjack will go full on cannibalistic when times get lean. And they can consume fish almost half their size. Skipjack are native to most of the major rivers along the Gulf, and they're highly migratory. They can go to sea, but they don't have to. They do what they want. It's up to them. It's their choice. Exactly. Skipjack are (laughs) capable of completing their entire life cycle without ever leaving a river, but they might go to sea. Either way, they're going to move up and down that system to, to find good spawning habitat and sufficient food. They're all over the place. And because they've never been much used to humans, skipjack numbers have remained pretty steady, like they're in good shape. But in the Mississippi, their room to roam has been significantly reduced by dams. The dams haven't knocked these fish out like they have other migratory species. They've just contained them in the Mm. lower river. Mm. But here's the crazy part about that, at least to me. The fact that these fish can no longer make their way up to the headwaters in Minnesota and Wisconsin has spelled disaster for ebony shell and elephant ear mussels even though the skipjack are fine. Both of those freshwater mussels are now listed as endangered. And part of the reason is the lack of skipjack up in the upper, upper river. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause in order to reproduce those mussels, they release larva into the current. And for those larva to mature, they have to attach themselves to the gills of skipjack herring. Once the block nothing else works, has nothing to be else that. works. Yep. Wow. And once the dams okay. block the passage of skipjacks, 
the mussels lost their 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 fish gill nurseries and their populations crashed. All this is just to say, skipjack are probably more interesting than most of us ever realized, and they're certainly more interesting than Ethan Moss and his buddy realized when they got into a good school of them that morning with the intention of catching themselves some good blue cat bait. Moss told a local news outlet, quote, We started getting into them pretty good. I had actually caught several, and one of them was 19 and change inches. About 20 to 30 minutes later, I caught this one. I had no clue. I thought he was a white bass or hybrid. I flipped him over the wall, and the guy fishing next to me said, That's a state record. (laughs) And indeed it was. Though Moss is from Ohio, he had crossed over into West Virginia to go fishing, which was fortuitous because Ohio doesn't recognize skipjack records. But West Virginia does. Lucky break. Lucky the, break. The fish weighed 3.1 <laughs> pounds and taped out at 19.21 inches, well short of the world record of four pounds, but pretty damn good for like a bait bycatch. Moss wisely decided to keep and register the fish, and all that makes like a fun story, right? Guy catches bait, turns into state record, blah, blah, blah. He understandably also wants to have it mounted, but according to one story I found, this is where the problem comes in. Moss is having trouble finding a taxidermist willing and able to mount his fish because no one makes body molds for skipjack. Hmm. So the dude's got the record but can't figure out a way to get a mount made. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a dilly of a pickle because I know some of like the replica places have like, you can get like a you know flying fish or a bunker or something that goes yep. like in front of your striper. Yep. But that's fascinating. Nobody has this. I mean, look, man, like I, freeze that thing. It might cost you more money, but you poke around enough. You'll find somebody who says, send me the fish and I will make the, I will, I will I'll do make this. the mold. Yeah. But is I'll it like, how much do you, have you come around to loving that skipjack? Or do you love well, it enough to have that, the mold my, made? <laughs> my next question, quite simply, Miles Nolte catches that fish. You going through the process to certify it? I'm not. Joe Cermelli isn't. Exactly. Not. <laughs> like, Dude, I, I mean, I think it's I think that's cool and all, but a if somebody said that's a state record, I'd be like, yeah, thanks, bud. Like, what do you know? Like, who's that guy? Right? <laughs> he's the guy and, down the like, wall. Right? He's the dude. Yeah, he's the dude the other end of the wall. He knows what's up. He's here every day. Uh, but uh, you know, I know the process probably isn't quite as as heavy as certifying an IGFA record. But like, there's no way I'm going. And like, for what? Like, there's no way I'm going through all that trouble to certify a shad. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I was about to say, like, I don't know. Having a really random record actually might be more fun to me than you know a, a, a state record smallmouth with my name actually on it. But I, I, I still don't think I'd do it. It'd, it'd just be fun to be like, hey, that that right there. What is that? That's a state record skipjack. No, dude, no, I get that, and but I think it works if if like you're just like a goofy dude that like you make that your deal. Like I'm just gonna go out and catch weird records. Like I, I think that's cooler than just accidentally catching the bait and it just happens to be we're not trying to take away anything away like that's 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 cool but i don't know i wouldn't have even thought about it i wouldn't no, even thought about it i probably Though i do either. i do i do very much appreciate the backstory because i didn't know that much about skipjack um it's fascinating though like the american shad here they don't ever eat like it's all a reaction bite right. but we get hickory shad too and them suckers will chase down some metal or a spinner. Like it's it's incredible how much more aggressive they are. You can hook and line, fly fish, whatever, and they'll charge something down. They'll chase bait around, but the American shad won't. So it sounds very similar. So that yeah. was that's it's nice to know more about the skipjack. Um, only transition I have is uh, maybe, <laughs> you, you said that they have no value. Uh, maybe maybe some people are already eating skipjack and don't know it. 
I'm going to start. I, I'm, I'm gonna so go, I'm glad that there. this is where you're going. Okay. Uh, because I have to. Okay? You do. To be clear, though, while this story plays right into our little culinary angle this week, I did not want to cover it. I did not want to do it. <laughs> But I feel obligated because, damn it, I listen to our listeners. Like, we are your servants, okay? And I've been so flooded with links to this that I I have caved, and I will cover the Subway tuna debacle, okay? Chapter two. God bless you. One of us us has to do it. So, you know, I'll also add that I I understand why people are sending this because it certainly ties into past stories we've covered about fake seafood. Like we've kind of had a little beat going on that. So I I get the connection, but I'm going to take this in like a whole other direction, right? So for anyone that missed it, right, we've got to start here. Back in January, two ladies from California filed a lawsuit against Subway claiming that they were trying to, quote, capitalize on the premium price consumers are willing to pay for tuna of their own accord. These two ladies had samples of the Subway tuna analyzed and said the findings were that there was no trace of tuna whatsoever in the tuna. But there was some shadiness because apparently nobody could figure out like who they hired to do the testing, like nobody named the lab, right? But while they say there was no tuna, they also couldn't say what it was. And they were just kind of claiming it was like complete mystery mixture meat made up to look like tuna and have the mouthfeel of tuna, right? So, of course, Subway went nuts and defended themselves, saying that this is completely baseless. I remember a few months ago, they ran that huge promo deal on tuna subs. Like It was like half off tuna subs to entice people to taste (laughs) the delicious wild-caught tuna, right? Um, But eventually, the whole thing kind of went quiet. Well, it has reared its ugly head once again, and this comes from Eat This, Not That. And now a fresh wave of testing is also suggesting Subway tuna is not tuna, but once again, can't seem to tell us exactly what it is. So while, while all this tuna horseshit like seemed to go away, a reporter from the New York Times was quietly researching it for the last six months. And I love this. She collected, this is what the story says, she collected more than 60 inches of tuna subs. <laughs> I mean, they from, do sell them by the inch, so I get it. They sell, Yeah, so she collected more than 60 inches of tuna subs from LA area subways and had them shipped off to a lab, which, interestingly, that lab asked not to be named either. So we don't don't know what lab that was either, right? And according to their analysis, and this is a quote, no amplifiable tuna DNA was present in the sample, and so we obtained no amplification products from the DNA. Therefore, we cannot identify the species. The spokesman from the lab offered a bit of analysis. There's two conclusions, he said. One, it's so heavily processed that whatever we could pull out, we couldn't make an identification, or we got some and there's just nothing there that's tuna. So clearly these people need a mass spec pen, which we've covered. (laughs) I'd love to know if they used one. Um, and all that aside, okay, like that's all well and good, but then what the hell is it? Like it right. has to be something. I just want somebody to tell me then what it is, okay? So just I'm going to quickly just skim through a couple other pertinent details. They also interviewed Peter Horn, the director of Ending Illegal Fishing Project at the Pew Charitable Trust, and he said it can be tough to identify tuna. He says in the defensive subway, or quite a lot of these fishmongers, the further you get the fish from the bone, the harder it is to recognize what that fish is. Another point of interest, Inside Edition conducted a similar investigation. Their samples came from New York City area subways earlier this year, and all their lab tests found it all to be tuna. They were like, it all came back tuna. No issue. Really? Finally, yeah. So finally, according to Subway, the ladies that started all this have abandoned their original claim that Subway's tuna product contains no tuna 
However, they filed an amended complaint that now alleges their tuna is not 100% tuna, and then it is not sustainably caught skipjack and yellowfin tuna. Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now what a Subway tuna hoagie actually is, because I know, okay? Have you done your own independent lab research? Yeah, it's f***ing delicious. That's what it is. It is the only sandwich I ever get from Subway. It's the only sandwich worth getting there. I don't know if you've ever had one. I can't argue with you. I totally agree. Right? A little pickles, a little jalapenos, a little Southwest sauce. Do you want that toasted? No, I do not. I do not want it toasted. Mm -mm. I crave that shit. I crave tuna Subway. And you will not be dissuaded by any of these findings. (laughs) I will not be dissuaded by any of these findings. And for people who don't understand or are going, oh, really? I liken it. It's like it's like burgers, right? When you want a really good burger, like you crave a burger, you're going to make that at home or you're going to go to that corner bar that makes a badass burger. When you want a burger, you don't go to McDonald's. You go to McDonald's because you feel like eating McDonald's. Like to me, it's different. And sometimes like you just you just want the trash, right? Like if I'm craving an Italian hoagie, I'm not going to Subway. I'm going to Basio's Deli. So a couple of thoughts. In my opinion, right, right out of the gate, if you ever truly assumed or believed that the tuna some 15-year-old is slinging with an ice cream scoop at the subway inside the gas station where it was like high-grade wild-caught yellowfin, like you're crazy. You're, yeah. you're nuts. Like that's like believing Burger King only uses Wagyu beef. You know what I mean? Like it's subway. It's not Nobu. Um, and I mean, God, dude, if the tuna is causing this kind of stir, God forbid they analyze the meatballs. Like Lord knows what's in those, Right. I bet and those I also, are carp, actually. Yeah, so, uh, the meatballs are carp. <laughs> the, the the tuna is uh, is herring. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I did. I just have to assume. I have to assume the lawsuit is just a pure money grab because, like, holy hell, dude! Like, who has this kind of time? Like, like you have so little to do, in my opinion, and like so little to do with your money, you can go all in on fighting about a tuna sandwich. Um, and I, I don't know. Here's what I'm I convinced. Think. It's, I'm convinced it's more a p- publicity stunt. You may be right, but here's what I think. I think, and because if, do you remember some years ago, there was a big blow up in the media that like there's plastic in the, in the bread for Subway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, I think that like when that got, it it made a bunch of headlines and then people were like, well, no, it's not plastic. It's just like not high quality bread ingredients. And what I think this is, here's what I think. I think that people who consider themselves health conscious Mm -hmm. look at Subway as their fast food. That it's like Which, the healthy with you. fast food. And so when they actually find out some information <laughs> that their beloved healthy Subway actually isn't like the bastion of goodness they once thought it was in the anti-McDonald's, they're personally offended. That's what I think is going on. And and that's all well and good, although, I mean, I think that's silly. Like I, <laughs> I agree. I, I think, like, if you're that person that is, like, super tuned in to, like, where your food comes from and what you're putting in your body, like, you should not be in a Subway unless you're just getting the salad with oil and no. vinegar. Like, it's still fast food, man. Yeah. Like, it's still, it, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I think, I think the whole thing is just, like, a little bit loony. Um, but, you know, the way I look at it, like, people eat hot dogs, bologna scrapple like we eat all kinds of mystery meat i don't really see what the difference is like whatever's in this tuna 
isn't causing people to get sick or drop dead. They've been serving it for decades. And like you said, you could tell me it's common carp and gizzard shad. I'll still order it. Those things would probably be more sustainable. If we're talking about sustainability, oh, no like, I'd, pay, I'd pay extra for it. It's like carp, good on you somewhere. Yeah. Now I'll give you it's eight, eight bucks for the sandwich. Yeah. So there, you guys You guys wanted the Subway deal. Um, I wish we had a promo code to like, get you guys half off a tuna sandwich. <laughs> I do too. Try for but yourself. We don't. No, yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't so. sponsor us. Well, maybe after this, they will. We love you, Subway. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I think for me, the transition on this has to do with uh, something somewhat unnatural melding into the world of nature it's it's a bad transition it's a good try it's a good try it was, it's fine it was, we can we can we can go on it's okay i'm, I'm just gonna move on <laughs> this is not this is not a groundbreaking story this is not gonna blow any minds but maybe we'll have some good conversation around it i'm assuming you've heard of of a painted turtle absolutely see him all the time have you ever heard of painting turtles uh, I can't say I have. Neither no. had I. Neither had I until I came across what should be an utterly unnecessary headline from CBS Boston that reads, Do not paint turtle shells. 
New Hampshire Fish and Game urges. The story leads with a photo of a snapping turtle whose entire shell has been painted hunter orange. Hmm. You know, for safety. The photo Wait. the photo was apparently taken <laughs> at a local pond where someone thought that snapping turtle needed to look more like a road construction cone. <laughs> New Hampshire Fishing Game actually had to write a post on Facebook that I found to be deeply compassionate, but also made me fearful for the future of our species, not so much the turtles. It said, do not paint turtle shells. Often, this is done with good intentions to make the turtle more visible if crossing a roadway. But turtle shells are living (laughs) tissue, and paint toxins can not only get into their bloodstream, it can also reduce their ability to absorb sunlight and make them more visible to predators. I struggle to believe that this was done with good intentions. I don't, I can't get there. And if it was, that person doesn't understand nature or evolution at all. Well, look, if just, just based on the fact alone that the paint is still on the shell, mm-hmm. we're going to assume that was Krylon, okay? <laughs> like, not like your kid's freaking finger uh-huh. paints, because that would have uh-huh. washed right off. Or, or like, you know, Tester's model paint or something like that. But It I, was some serious paint. If you're going to paint a snapping turtle, right, it ain't going to sit there while you brush it. No. So whoever did that just fired up the, the freaking parking cone colored <laughs> Krylon and tagged that son of a bitch. I, it's awful. It's, it's stupid. awful. It's awful. Yeah. And and when I read it, I just I assumed that this was just an awful, idiotic, random incident. But I was wrong. Oh. Turtle painting is apparently a thing. Five years ago, Florida experienced a rash of tortoise painting incidents all over the state when painting murals on the shells of gopher tortoises started trending. The Florida Wildlife Commission had to put out a statement saying, quote, you should never paint the shells of turtles and gopher tortoises. While to you, it may seem harmless, painting the shells of turtles and tortoises can severely compromise their health. I found another article (laughs) on tortoiseowner.com begging owners of pet tortoises to resist the temptation to bedazzle the shells of their beloved pets. The story leads, you may have heard, The tortoise shell is made of keratin, the same material your fingernails are made of. For some reason, many people believe that the similarities between fingernails and tortoise shells means it's perfectly fine to paint their tortoise's shell with nail polish or regular household paint. It is absolutely not safe to paint a tortoise (laughs) shell. This, This is all in bold. Painting a tortoise's shell poses a lot of dangers and can even be fatal. So, all right. I understand <laughs> ignorance. These are the same people that bitch about Subway tuna, by the way. Okay? I think you're right. <laughs> I understand ignorance. Like, I can I can forgive ignorance. They don't know. They heard, oh, it's like fingernails. I paint my fingernails. Okay. Fine. But I don't understand the impulse. Like, I wanting to paint pet turtles makes a modicum of more sense, I guess. Like dog owners who give their furry friends haircuts. Yeah, they will, or they dye them. Like somebody has a poodle, they dye it purple. Right. I, I think that's awful. Like I think that's cruel. I don't I care. I do too. Or you know? stuffing the dog into designer vests and clothes and Halloween costumes. I, that's a thing. Okay. <laughs> so pet turtle maybe, but, but why do you want to paint a wild turtle? Even if it didn't hurt the animals, like what, what are you getting out of that? 
Like I, 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 I don't, I, and, and to, to anybody out there who's annoyed, cause yes, I realize this is a stretch for fish news. Turtles aren't fish, but I'm so baffled by this. And to find out that it's like a thing that has gone on for years, I, I just don't understand. And I can't figure out why anyone would do that. I can think of one reason it's terrible and it's dumb. And I doubt it was the reason, but when you were out here, we were bowfin fishing. That comes with hooking the occasional snapping turtle, right? So yes. you're always trying to figure out, like, is that a snapping turtle buzzing around where my bait is, or is that a fish? So, like, the only the only dumb excuse I could see is somebody doing that so they, they could see them coming. It's like, I know where all these things are right now. Still not a good reason. Not at all. I, not at all. But it's it's. I, I it's appreciate creative. that. That you, no, that's that's a lot of thinking. You you came up with a, a semi plausible <laughs> reason for why this might have happened. So good for you. Good good on you there. Yeah. Well, uh, there's not a semi plausible reason why the thing in my next story happened. Uh, I'm not even sure that it actually happened. But uh, so this is a shorty, and and I'm sure by now many of you have have heard about this one. Um, but it, it's, 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 it's just so me, I can't leave it alone. And we're going to knock on the damn TikTok door two weeks in a row now. Once again. Once again. And this comes from dailydot.com. Headline, Fisherman finds brand new bottle of fireball in fish after cutting it open, sparking debate. So we've, we've covered several stories, some fairly recently about weird things found in fish. Not long ago, we talked about uh, lake trout with uh, they had a somebody found a Lego inside a lake trout. There were there's one with bits of tire mm-hmm. uh, in inside the lake trout, and we we sort of used that to get into the discussion of discarding soft plastics. But this is next level, right? So in this video, you see a couple of dudes at a fillet table on the back of a large boat, and they're cutting up some pretty big lingcod. So I'm thinking we're in Alaska here. It seems like Alaska. Uh, so so dude takes the fillet off one side of this this big fish, feels the the now exposed stomach, slices it, and out pops a brand spanking new, large, unopened bottle of Fireball whiskey. Wait, right? a large one? Like a pint? Yeah, like, well, I'm not talking about a nip here. I'm talking about, like, not not quite the handle, but, like, the big one. Oh, well, hold on. All right, we got we got multiple stuff. We need to clarify. There's, there's the little mini bottle. Nope. There's the pint. Nope. There's the fifth. That. I'm saying a it's a fifth. fifth. I'm saying it's a fifth. It's a fifth. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's a big it's a, bottle. Right. Okay. And so now, here, look, look, I have very little lingcod experience. So I was, I was actually chatting about this with our bud and colleague, Sam Lundgren, because he, he fishes for lingcod a lot. And he said, it's not outside the realm of possibility that a big lingcod would eat that. Right. I don't He says that, you know, they're super aggressive. And he says over the like they eat all kinds of weird shit. So it's not totally implausible that that he would take the shot, this fish. Right. So to speak. Pardon the pun. Um, so at the time of this recording, the, the, the video has well over six million views. But here's where it falls apart. Right. When the guy pulls the bottle out, he just smirks a bit and says jackpot. But it's a very fast muted reaction. I don't know about you, but if I pulled a brand new bottle of Fireball out of a fish, like I would have been losing it. I would have been like, holy yeah. shit, what? What? Yeah. Holy shit, right? Meanwhile, the onlooker at the fillet table barely reacts at all. He just smiles. Now, furthermore, the bottle, it, it is squeaky clean and pristine. And Sam and I both commented that there's like not a shred of damage to the label. 
And the stomach mm. acid in the ling would have would have corroded the label away very quickly. So you put it all together, and in my mind, there's no way this wasn't staged, unless, of course, it ate the bottle literally like two minutes before it ate their bait, which is unlikely. So um, I, I'd also add that I, I, I think there is a limit to what weird things end up in a fish. And in this case, while I don't, I don't find it hard to believe that, that a fish would take a shot at a whiskey bottle if it came bobbing by or whatever it was doing, um, I don't know, man. I have a hard time believing it would, the fish would work that all the way into its stomach. Like, wouldn't you yeah. think it would spit it out? Like a, a bit of tire or like, I don't know, a, a dish rag or plastic bag or whatever. I can see that. I've seen pictures of stripers with a piece of wire arm from an umbrella rig poking out of their gut. Um, but I mean, this this would have had to have killed the fish if it was legit. And I, and I don't know. Like you're not digesting that and you're not passing it out the lingcod bunghole. Nope. So it, nope. it just – fish have some instincts of like I think what's going to end up killing them if they swallow it. I, it just – you know. Anyway it's a very bizarre story. I don't buy it. I don't claim to be a ling expert. I've never caught one, but I, I think they're deep water fish. They are right. There's times according to, to Sam when they'll come shallower, you can find them shallower, but these are giants. Like these are not, like, I will, I will say this. They have a mouth big enough to swallow it. I mean, ling got yeah. a big old mouth, but yeah, they're but super think, deep water but a fish. Full bottle of fireball. Yeah, would it even float. sink? That's what I was going to say. Would it even sink? So this thing would have to come up and like sip it. Yeah. Like a dry fly off the surface. And that, you've, you've, you've poked plenty of holes in this to the point where I already don't believe it. But that to me is just another piece of evidence of, of implausibility. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hardly news, but it's just like, we've we've also been on the, the weird stuff in stomachs beat. So, I mean, a bottle of yeah. fireball, that's, that's something. <laughs> even though it's nothing, actually. <laughs> even though it's all horse shit. Even though it's all made up and uh, just yet another reason or another way that social media is ruining fishing because it's getting people to do idiotic stuff like that in order to get 6 million views. Correct. That's what I'll say. Yes, uh, that is what I'll say too. Could not agree with you more. Uh, So that's what we got. We got skipjacks. We got fake tuna. We got uh, fireball whiskey if if Phil is – feeling saucy. Maybe he wants to go spray paint a turtle this week. We'll see who took the victory. And uh, right after that, we've got a regional report for you guys from our favorite South Louisiana non-legal charter captain down the road, Darren. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've heard from Darren. And uh, keeping up with this week's culinary theme, we're literally going to see what he's got cooking. Joe, because you brought the heat this week and because I agree with you that the tuna fish sandwich from Subway is the only thing worth getting there, you're the winner this week. (laughs) But Miles, I was trying to piece together who might be the culprit of the turtle painting, and I thought back to a viral video from years ago involving a guy who knows a lot about paint and turtles. That's right. It's the zombie kid likes turtles kid. I think he might be... Someone to look into. So I'm actually going to give him a call right here. Hi, uh, Zombie Kid. When was the last time you were in New Hampshire? I like turtles. Oh, yep. We we know. Okay. Um, do you know anything about the uh, turtle painting that's been happening? I like turtles. Yep. I like okay. turtles. Well, that was a waste of time. I don't know what I was expecting. summer in south louisiana it's hotter than a two dollar pistol and i'm gonna be honest with you the fishing downright sucks right now 
Normally, me and my boy Joey Campo would be hitting Little Lake and Delacroix in the afternoons and loading a box with a limit of redfish. Not this year. Could be a lack of shrimp, could be all the high tides we having, but whatever it is, my freezer's looking kind of slim. I just got back in my mobile home after some storm damage this past hurricane season and hadn't even had one good fish fry yet. Which is a bummer because the little chick I'm seeing said fried fish is her favorite. I even went out and swiped, uh, I mean borrowed a new fish fryer to show her my cooking skills. Anyway, we catching a few bass here and there now. The other day I had a dude in one of them sparkly boats tell me I'm supposed to be putting them back. I said, oh yeah? How about I put him back in my ice chest where he belongs? I don't care if he's one pound or 20. He's gonna get cooked down in a red gravy with some rice. I told him to stick his stupid bass tournament where the sun don't shine. I ain't no Kevin damn van. We out here catching these fish to eat. He didn't like that too much, so I told him, I said, don't worry, I'll bring your wife a plate when I'm done cooking. <laughs> I also heard they catching good offshore, but I don't have the money or the time to get down there. Little Ricky Battaglia is a deckhand on a high dollar boat down in Venice. He told me they caught three tuna all over 200 pounds the other day. I told Ricky to stop by and bring me some tuna. He said he can't because the clients, they take fish and want all the meat. I said, well, look, tell him I'll trade him some hog meat and a few packs of deer sausage. All right, well, that pretty much wraps it up. I got some cold Miller High Life and a can of Vienna sausage calling my name. And look, if y'all know anybody looking to get rid of a lawnmower, holla at me. With all this rain we have, and my grass is higher than a giraffe's ass, and my lawnmower took a dump on me a few weeks back. All right, later. I have eaten bass. It's not my favorite fish, but they're perfectly yeah. fine. I will eat bass again. It's not like yeah. my, my, my prime target, but I'm sure it'll happen. We should have no sacred cows, if you ask me. If it's cool Agreed. to eat walleye and crappie, it should be cool to eat bass. But just in general, all fish, bass, I don't care which one, bluegill. Select for the smaller to mid-sized fish. Any population, mm-hmm. put the breeders back. Just across the board. That's what you do. Wise counsel there if you're going to eat them. I've eaten them. Side note, the last time I ate a largemouth, it was riddled with worms, which was kind of a mm. turnoff. Delicious. Um, and has no bearing on anything. Uh, anywho, look, to close this one out, I'm going to I'm gonna switch up end of the line a little bit. Remember earlier I foreshadowed uh, hot dogs at the top of the show? I, indeed I do. You, you made a bold statement. They are your preference over brats. At least, yes. at least when fishing. Yes, they are. And that's partially because they can play double duty when you're after a favorite fish for the fryer. Fishy, 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 fishy! Well, that's not loud enough, Bert. Channel catfish, like all catfish, are scent feeders. Everyone pretty much knows that. They'll home right in on a fresh chunk of shad or chicken livers or fresh shrimp. Of course... There are some catfish anglers that will tell you rotten shrimp or shad or chicken liver uh, works even better. Fresh versus older and nastier is something catfish guys love to debate. But they also love to debate mixes, mashups, and recipes of less obvious or less natural bait choices. Playing on the fish's ability to sniff out a meal has led people to insist that bar soap is a killer channel cat bait. And I'm not I'm not talking crazy, okay? I actually found a whole article about it. You won't be successful with that $30 bar of Dr. Squatch you use to polish your ass cheeks, though. No, no. According to the cat pros, the cheaper the soap, the better. Like real man bar soap, like Zest or Dial or Irish Spring. All the chemically ones that make you smell like the health and beauty aisle of a dollar store. Cut them into one-inch cubes, stick a cube on a hook, and apparently the cats come running. 
I've also heard guys swear by soaking your bait in WD-40. Granted, neither of those things sounds very environmentally friendly, but I'm sure they create one hell of a scent trail. I've heard Channel Cat guys swear by chicken soaked in pickle brine, chewed bubblegum, Play-Doh, bananas, and blackberries. But if there's one Channel Cat bait that seems to pop up time and time again, it's hot dogs. And not just any hot dogs. I'm talking about hot dogs marinated in a sweet and savory bath of cherry Kool-Aid and garlic powder. I first heard about this many years ago while working on a story for Field and Stream, and at the time, I wasn't much into channel catfishing. It wasn't until years later, when I had little kids, that I put the wisdom to use. I wanted to take my daughter fishing for cats, but it was a spur-of-the-moment decision, and I didn't really have any good bait. But I did have hot dogs, cherry Kool-Aid, and garlic powder. And even after only a couple hours in the marinade, we were on a channel cat within five minutes of sending out that first chunk of dog. Google catfish plus hot dog, and you'll hit on this recipe without even needing to scroll. And sometimes the Kool-Aid is swapped for Jell-O, but either way, the mixture hits channel cats in every olfactory sensor it has. It smells sweet, it smells pungent, and it smells like meat. Although, maybe less so than it used to, but I'll get to that in just a sec. I tried to research the history of hot dog use for catfish, which took me to weird places, but there's really no clear picture, just speculation that at some point in history, somebody ran out of their preferred channel cat bait during a lakeside picnic or barbecue and a hot dog was simply handy. Hot dogs, as we know them, have been in America since 1870 and powdered Kool-Aid has been around since 1927. When some genius put them together is anybody's guess, but it's worth noting that many online articles suggest that when buying hot dogs for catfish, you don't get the fancy ones, okay? Getting your hot dogs might require another trip to the Dollar General for something other than soap. Yes, it would make sense to spend as little money as possible on something you're only going to use as bait, but there could actually be more to it. Cat gurus claim that cut-rate dogs catch more fish. To quote one article I read, get the cheap and nasty ones, usually avoided by humans. Because you see, hot dogs, along with deli meat, have some of the highest concentrations of nitrates and meat byproducts of anything we eat, or at least they did for decades until the world got healthier. Today's name brand dog producers tout the lack of nitrates and byproducts, but it's all that junk that makes the mystery meat more aromatic and attractive to the cats. This is probably why I've also heard that Slim Jims, Spam, and Vienna Sausage work like charms too. So, bottom line, next time you're cleaning out the fridge and dig up that Ziploc with two rando dogs swimming in the thickened dog water, you know the one I'm, I'm talking about from that barbecue a month ago that required six dogs instead of the eight in the package. Don't throw that away. You pour in a packet of Kool-Aid and a little garlic powder, and that's great eats for a channel cat. And with that, my friends, our 4th of July cookout is winding down. As you stumble around trying to remember where you left your bag and your koozie and your keys... Please ignore the grown man sleeping in the kiddie pool <laughs> while wearing a patriotic loincloth. Remember that Brad Leone may be a badass chef, but he's dead wrong about pork roll. Yes, be advised that redfish and black bass are all the same in South Louisiana and never throw out your old hot dogs. Just mail them on over to Joe. <laughs>
Bring them, okay? Bring it. No cooler necessary. Just stick them in a FedEx envelope. Uh, all good advice. Also, please send your bar nominations, salmon items, awkward photos, fish news suggestions, and uh, poorly edited drunken ramblings to bent at themeateater.com. Yes, do that because I read every one of them. And also keep tagging Bent Podcast and Degenerate Angler on the gram. I, I will probably miss most of those, but Joe is all <laughs> over them. I promise. <laughs> And finally, be safe out there this weekend and prepare for the crowds. Either do some yogic breathing and practice your meditation, or just do what I do and make everyone a double. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.